this is Dina Weiss for Hadar on Parashat Re'eh, Nurture Over Nature. Traveling through the wilderness, B'nai Israel were dependent on the leadership of Moshe, Aharon, and Miriam to keep them safe and connected to God. Yet these three prophets and guides passed away before the journey was over, and entering the land of Canaan makes the people vulnerable to immoral and self-appointed leadership. In this week's Parsha, Moshe warns the people about a number of sinister and conniving characters. The first of these is the Navi Sheker, the false prophet. If a prophet or dreamer appears among you and offers you an omen or a sign, and if the omen or sign declared by them comes to pass, and they say, Let us follow other gods whom you have not known, and let us serve them. Do not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer. For Hashem your God is testing you to know whether you do love Hashem your God with all of your heart and all of your soul. You should follow Hashem your God and fear Him. Keep His commandments, heed His voice, serve Him and adhere to Him. The Torah and the false prophet do not only differ about whom or what the people should be serving, they also have fundamentally different understandings of what makes a prophet credible and worth obeying. The prophet attempts to convince by using signs and miracles because he believes that if he is able to perform these miracles and if what he foretells does come to pass, then the miracles and history itself prove that he is trustworthy. However, the Torah puts no stock in these signs, despite the fact that whatever the prophet promised has indeed come to pass, he nevertheless may not be heeded. The ability that this person has to control the natural world and to produce miracles does not give him any credibility whatsoever. And this is not due to a claim that the proof of the prophet is an illusion. This miracle did happen. These events did occur. Despite his power, the prophet is rejected. Why do the laws of nature yield to this charlatan? Why does God permit this magic? According to Moshe, it is a test. For Hashem your God is testing you to know whether you do love Hashem your God. God is being strategic in allowing this prophet to manipulate nature. He used the prophet to probe whether you truly love him. And the test will only work if the prophet is compelling. That is, if there is a reason to believe him. But what is it about ignoring these miracles that specifically demonstrates our love of God? What is the value of God's enabling us to reject the false prophet and choose love of God instead? These questions are addressed by exploring the subsequent verse in which we are told that the proper alternative 
to listening to the misleading prophet is Acharei Adonai Eloheichem Teilechu, follow Hashem your God. The Gemara records two separate teachings based on this expression, two very different understandings of what it means to follow God, to literally walk after Him. The relationship between these two interpretations will expose what we are really choosing when we walk after God and show our love for Him thereby. The first interpretation is found on Talmud Bavli Sota 14a. V'amar Rabbi Chama Rabbi Chanina Ma'i dechtiv acharei Adonai Eloheichem teilechu v'chi afshar lo la'adam l'halach achar shchina v'halo k'var ne'amar ki Adonai Elohecha eish ochlahu Ela l'halach achar midotav shal ha'kadosh baruchu Ma'hu malbish aramim dechtiv Vayaz Adonai Elohim li'adam ulishto kotnot or v'yal bishem Afata halbesh aramim Ha'kadosh baruchu biker cholim dechtiv Rabbi Chama, son of Rabbi Hanina, said, what does the verse mean when it says, follow Hashem your God? Is it really possible for a person to follow the divine presence? Hasn't it already been said, for Hashem your God is a burning fire? Rather, follow in his ways. Just as God provided clothing to Adam and Chava, so too you should clothe the naked. Just as God visited Avraham after his Brit Milah, so too you should visit the sick. Just as God comforted Yitzchak after the death of Avraham, so too you should comfort those in mourning. Just as God buried Moshe, so too you should bury the dead. According to Rabbi Chama, we follow God by emulating God's kindness, following in his footsteps, as it were. However, Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi's understanding of what it means to walk after God is quite different. He reads walking after God in a much more concrete and almost literal sense. The Amarabi Tanchum, Amarabi Yeshua ben Levi, Ein Hatibor Rasha'in Latzeit, Ajayinatel Sefer Torah, Veyaniach Bimkomo. Amarava Barahina, Asbarali, Acharei Adonai Elohechem Teilechu. Rabbi Tanchum says that Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi says, The congregation may not exit the shul until the Sefer Torah has been taken and put in its proper place. Rava Barahina says, the rationale for this prohibition was explained to me as, Acharei Adonai Eloheichem Teilechu, follow Hashem your God. According to Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, the closest material approximation that we have of God is the Sefer Torah. So out of respect for the Torah, for God's physical manifestation, we do not cut it in line or leave it lying exposed. Only after the Torah has been properly put away, acharei Adonai Eloheichem, then teilechu, you may go. Walking after God as walking behind the Torah means that your body's movement is dictated by the location of the body of the Torah scroll. This seems to be at odds with the notion that what this verse teaches us is that one should follow God spiritually through becoming a more loving and merciful person and using one's body to perform kindness. 
But perhaps these two positions are not as far apart as they seem. Maybe there is a place where these two priorities meet. Elsewhere in the Talmud, Rava explains that the honor due to the Torah scroll is out of respect for how merciful its contents are. If a person is able to exceed the mercy of the Torah, then that person would merit more honor than a Torah scroll. Amar Rava, Kama tipshai shar inchi, dekayimi mikame sefer Torah, velo kayimi mikame gavar Rava, deilu besefer Torah chativ arbaim. Rava said, How stupid are all of these people who rise in the presence of a Sefer Torah, but do not rise in the presence of a great person? For in the Sefer Torah it is written that a person is liable for 40 lashes. And the rabbis came and subtracted one. The Talmud Bavli often refers to God and the Torah with a single term, Rachamana, the merciful one, the one who loves. God's voice in the Torah is a manifestation of God's mercy and love. Similarly, a human being who is a rachaman, who is merciful, visiting the sick, clothing the naked, diminishing the number of lashes brought upon a criminal, is worthy of more honor than a physical Sefer Torah. To follow God is to be loving, and what it truly means to follow the Torah, to rise in its presence and to walk behind it, is to be loving as well. Of course, the Sefer Torah is not the only physical representation of God that we interact with. Every human being is created in the divine image, not just our minds and hearts, but our physical bodies as well. This is our unique human inheritance. And not only did God create us in his image, he also gave us the Torah, which outlines the means through which to become godly. If we did not have human bodies, we would not be able to be like God in the spiritual sense. We would not have bodies with which to perform good deeds, nor bodies through which to receive kindness. Every human being is non-negotiably created in God's image, but we are also instructed to imitate God. Likeness is a description, but imitation is a prescription. Achieving and embodying this second element is not guaranteed. We are not born into lives of meaning. We are not born into good character. We become this way through the choices that we make. Being God's likeness is an inexorable part of our nature. We resemble God on the physical and intellectual level by virtue of our having been born. Our genes code for this. However, the opportunity to become like God Imitatio Dei is a responsibility that we accept. We inherit our being human, but we need to earn our humanity. We don't want to merely look like God or have divine capacity. We want to actually become like God by expanding and developing our moral dimension. We learn how to do this by learning the Torah and by studiously and deliberately following God's example. This allows us to understand why a false prophet's ability to manipulate the physical world fails to validate him, and why rejecting his message is a demonstration of love for God. Permit me an example. If a doctor came to me and proved to me, through some sort of genetic testing or newly discovered hospital records, that the people whom I now think of as my biological parents 
are in fact not my biological parents, I might be disoriented, but I would not stop thinking of my mother and father as my parents. And this is not because the doctor's scientific information is inaccurate. It is that I have emotional and spiritual information. I have love that supersedes it. My genetic material is critical to who I am, but it is not the totality of what defines me. The people who have provided my genetic material are significant, but they are not as significant to me as those who have watched over me, who have embraced the responsibility to mold my character. The false prophet urges you to reject God, who has raised you well and guided you morally in favor of someone or something whom you do not know. He urges you to choose nature over nurture. Remaining faithful to God says that nature is informative, but not determinative. Rejecting the false prophet enables you to reject a passive inhabiting of Etzelam Elohim in favor of self-actualization through imitatio dei. It allows us to choose nurture over nature. We all have to decide what is more important to us, nature or nurture, body or soul. Deciding in favor of either is not a detached scientific evaluation of the evidence of who you are. Rather, it is a decision that reflects who you want to be. When you decide in favor of nurture, you are declaring your desire to take ownership over the kind of person you are. And you are describing yourself as someone who is capable of improvement. When you choose to think of yourself as someone who is capable of change, then you are someone who has the right to take pride in your accomplishments and someone who can be called to task for their failures. If you decide in favor of nature, you are acquiescing to a vision of your life and self in which you are not an agent, wherein you do not have free will. The genes switch on and switch off, and you are entirely at their mercy. All is predetermined and simply unfolding. There are many factors of our lives that we cannot change. We cannot change the circumstances of our birth or the decisions that have been made for us by others. But a person who is concerned with self-improvement, a person who is concerned with her own moral agency, a person who wants to be fully actualized, has to focus on what is in her control. You have to actualize your free will in order to realize your divine potential. Genetics and circumstance will not make you into an ethical person. A person who wants to become more humane needs to look beyond who she already is by nature and necessity to whom she can become by nurture and education. When the Navi Sheker, the prophet of falsehood, performs his tricks, he challenges the notion that God is in complete control of nature. When the false prophet manipulates the natural world, he is slyly suggesting that, God forbid, God is not the creator of heaven and earth. He says you cannot trust the physical world and you cannot rely on your senses. Why should you trust all of this history? Why should you trust anything that anyone tells you about God? And here is the real test. If you think of God as a biological principle, if you think that what matters most about God is that he created the world and created your body, then you will be tempted 
by this false prophet's proofs and signs. If your notion of God is restricted to God as the creator and controller of nature, then these miracles can and will convince you. But if you truly love God and the Torah, not for its veracity, but for its goodness, if you love God not because he made you, but because he inspires you to become your highest self, then these strange miracles will not affect you. Yes, God created the heaven and the earth and took us out of Egypt. But God is not merely a God of nature or the God of history. He is the God of nurture. God is our Father in the truest and most expansive sense. His is not only a biological paternity, it is a spiritual educational paternity. God did not create us and walk away. God shows an interest in our moral development and he raises us through his Torah. The love of the Torah is an Ahava Rabbah and an Ahavat Olam, a great and eternal love. It is a love that enables us to become more like our parent, to walk after him. It is a likeness that we strengthen every time we show love to one another. It is a love that helps us grow and grows with us. Wishing you a nurturing Shabbat. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to our weekly Divrei Torah. To see more from our archive, please visit hadar.org slash Torah.